You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Good morning. I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for being here today as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online on our live stream. Uh, we are, again, we are so glad that you are here. You know, before we jump into to God's Word today, I have a few very important announcements that I need to make. And I believe we have slides. Okay, you can't read it because it's too small, but... I'm going to share it with you. Number one, I want you to know that as leadership, as pastors, and with our deacons, we meet together regularly and we talk about and we evaluate, we review uh, things related to this church, especially safety procedures. So we have an update to share with you. I have an update to share with you. Starting Sunday, April 3rd, face masks will be optional. Starting next week, April 3rd, face masks will be optional for those that are coming and participating in person on campus. But there, there is, we're going to do this with a phased approach. And so the phased part being that the Chinese ministries, Chinese-speaking language ministries, they will continue to wear masks, okay, as part of this phased approach. Um, but with the goal of them also... Uh, making masks optional for them starting Easter Sunday, okay? So there's this phased approach to this mask being optional, but for all of us here, I want you to know uh, it will be, face masks will be optional starting next Sunday, April 3rd, okay? Is that clear? If you have questions, go talk, no, you can come talk with me, okay? Number two, next announcement. We have our deacon ordination Saturday, April 9th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Please sign up. There should be a sign-up sheet in the lobby out there, the Narthex, <coughs> excuse me, as well as uh, online sign-up. We, we want to try to get a head count for, for preparation, planning, and food purposes. So please sign up, but more importantly, plan to come. Plan to come as we celebrate what God, how God has blessed us as we ordain uh, these five men uh, that have been called by God to serve as deacons of his church, Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. Last announcement. Easter weekend. Easter is coming up, okay? And with that, that whole weekend is, is full of activities. As you can see on the screen, April 15th, Friday, Good Friday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., we're going to have a joint Good Friday worship service with Chinese speaking and English speaking here. April 15th. Please mark that on your calendar. Plan to be here uh, with your family. You can invite friends. You can invite family members to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And then April 17th, that's Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Okay, we're going to have, we have some different events than the normal Sunday. We have a sunrise service from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Please take note of these times. For those of you longtime members, they may be different for you. But last year, we did have sunrise service at 7 a.m. We're going to have it at 7 a.m. this Sunday, this Easter Sunday sunrise service. 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. We're going to have breakfast after service. Immediately after, or after service, there will be breakfast provided for all those that come. So please invite your friends, invite family, invite some of your neighbors to come and join us. Uh, and after breakfast, there will be Chinese worship service, 9.15 to 10.15 a.m. And then look at that highlighted point there. After Chinese service, there will be a children's Easter egg hunt from, well, within that time frame, between 10.15 and 10.45 there will be a children, just children, guys, okay, just children, Easter egg hunt. So with that being said, invite those friends, invite those family members that have children to come and participate, and if they're Chinese speaking, let them know we have breakfast at 8 a.m., let them know we have a sunrise service, let them know we have a Chinese language worship service, they can come for that worship together, they can stay for the Easter egg hunt, get a lot of candy, and, uh, and for our English-speaking friends and family, invite them to come and participate and then also join us to worship our Lord and Savior after the Easter egg hunt and come for the Bible studies and let them know that there, there, there will be children's classes as well after the Easter egg hunt for them to participate in. So please take note of that. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited and I want to invite you to please pray and think about who God is leading you to extend an invitation to for, for this weekend. All right? Again, if you have questions, you can come and talk with me later. All right. Actually, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we praise you. You are God Almighty. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the one that has given us life, and we thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here today. Thank you, God, for this church body here at Northwest, my dear church family, my brothers, my sisters, that we can come here to worship you in spirit and in truth, to look to your word. God, I pray. I pray, God, that you would forgive us. Forgive us for our sin. God, forgive us for the ways that we fall short of your perfect standard. Forgive us for the, for the way that we disobey your word, knowingly and unknowingly. God, thank you for the blessed assurance that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that our sin could be wiped clean, so that we can have eternal life by your grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, your son. God, thank you for that blessed hope. Thank you for that blessed assurance. And God, I pray that today as we come together to study your word, to hear from you, I pray, God, that you would help us to hear you. Help us to be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit that is in, in this place and that is inside each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. And God, I pray that as we learn your word, that not only will we take it in in our heads, but that it would translate into our hearts and that, that it would change us, that your word would change us and that we would be led to live it out and live in light 
of your word. So God, thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you, God, uh, for all the things that are coming up. And God, uh, yeah, I pray um, that today we would leave this place changed, changed by you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, oftentimes people come and talk with me and they ask me all kinds of questions. And, and one question that I often get asked is this. What happens to a person who is on their deathbed and right before they die, they put their faith in Jesus Christ. They confess Jesus Christ as their Lord. And the question is, well, that's the scenario. And the question a lot of times is, is that person saved? Is that person saved from their sin? Is that person going to go to heaven? And well, uh, I simply look at God's word. I look at scripture and I trust what God has told us, what God tells me through his word when he says in, in all kinds of different places, all kinds of different scriptures that we are saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ, his son as Lord. Right? And even John three sixteen. right? All those who believe, believe can know that they'll have everlasting life. All of those who by God's grace put their faith in Jesus as their Lord will be saved. And so the answer is just that. Yes, if they've confessed Jesus as their Lord, then I believe based on my understanding of God's word and scripture tells us that their sins are forgiven and that they are saved and they will be in heaven. So what about now? What about as we're studying the book of James and we're seeing this this tension, actually not this tension, but this relationship between faith and works. And sometimes it creates a tension in us when we look at these verses written by James, given to us by God. And we see what James is saying. But we need to understand that, that James is talking about works and faith. And he's saying that works are evidence of our faith for those that are living. Now see, yeah, the person who's on their deathbed that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and then dies, obviously they're not living anymore on this earth. So they have no opportunity to bear fruit. But James is talking about those of us who are living. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and now we're walking in newness of life. And so we're going to continue this study and look at chapter 2 verses 20 through 24 this morning. And so I want to invite you to follow along. There's an insert in your bulletin, or you can follow along outline. Those of you, uh, you should be able to access that online as well, the outline. But here we go. I want you to turn to James chapter 2, verses 20 through 24, and I want to read this to you out loud as you follow along silently. James write this, writes this, You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. Interesting. Now, a lot of us 
can get confused reading this. And, and, and as I just shared before, what we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But why then does James write this? Why then does James say, look at verse 24. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Pastor Steve, didn't you just say we're saved by faith alone? We're made right in the eyes of God by faith alone. And I want you to understand that, yes. But let's look at this. Before we look at our first truth from this passage, let me share with you a different truth. Let's clarify this one critical issue in regards to this passage. And there's an apparent contradiction here, right, between faith and works in regards to salvation. But I, but I want you to take note of this. So I just directed you to look at verse 24 of James chapter 2 here, where James writes, you see that a person is, is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. But then many of us will remember and think about what Paul, the Apostle Paul, has written in the book of Romans. And, and specifically Romans, and you can write that down, Romans chapter 3 through chapter 5, if you want to study that later. But when you look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, he says this, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. There's a seemingly, these verses seemingly contradict. But what I want to share with you is that in order to understand these two verses properly and the way that God would have us understand them, we need to look at them a little deeper. And as we look at them deeper and we, we, we draw out their meaning, we will see that these verses do not contradict each other at all. They actually go hand in hand and they, go, they echo one another. But here's the first thing. The first important thing to remember when we look at those two verses there is to understand that the emphasis of Paul and the emphasis of James are different. Paul is emphasizing the root of salvation, which is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Paul is emphasizing the root, like the source of salvation, the means of salvation, which is faith in Jesus Christ alone. Where James, James is emphasizing the fruit after salvation, okay? Paul emphasizing the root of salvation. James emphasizing the fruit after salvation. But secondly, and probably more importantly, is the difference in words, in the words that they are using in these verses. They're using a similar word, but as we all know, right, words mean different things in different contexts. And how we use them it makes that meaning a little different. And so we need to look at that. Both Paul and James use the word justified or righteous, don't they? In these two verses. We can see that, or we can't see it. But when Paul mentions justification, he means the act of God at salvation, where he declares the believing sinner righteous. Okay? When Paul mentions justification in this verse, he's talking about the act of God. Act of God to save the sinner. To make, to change and transform that sinner from the inside out because of their faith to change them from the inside out. The act of God at salvation where he declares the believing sinner righteous. James, on the other hand, uses this word justify to mean validate or to give evidence of. James says that, that our works are evidence of our faith in Jesus Christ. 
See, so, so when you look at these teachings of Paul and James, they do not contradict each other one bit. But instead, they, they teach us and show us, reveal to us different aspects of faith. So let's look at verse 20 of James chapter 2. And we'll see our first truth here is that a sa saving faith in Jesus Christ is a living faith. Saving faith, a, safe that, a faith that saves, not a safe that faiths. A saving faith in Jesus Christ is a living faith. And look at what James says. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now, if you just look at the verse preceding verse 20, verse 19. And if you remember back to last week, we, we remember that James had just finished reminding us that even the demons, even the evil demons, they know about the truth about Jesus Christ. They have their religious facts straight. Just like the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time who knew all about God, but what was their issue? What was their sin? What was their problem? They knew all about God, but they failed to recognize their need for Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so James, what is he doing here? It, it may seem like he's going overboard here, or he's just, you know, keeps beating, driving, trying to drive home this point. He's not bashing having knowledge. He's not bashing knowing about Jesus. Instead, he, he's really rebuking these religious intellectuals who love to debate information about Jesus, but they don't have any plans or desire to follow Jesus as their Lord in faith. He's trying to drive this point home, that when you have a sincere faith, when we have a sincere faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord, our lives will be different. We will live out this faith. There will be fruit and as we said last week, faith in Christ can never be lip service. It must be lived out. And so what does it mean then? What, is it, what would it look like for us to live out our faith? Because that's a, that's a phrase that, that we often use here as Christians. We need to live out our faith. What does it mean to live out your faith? Well, I think in, in simply we can think of it like this. Faith in Christ leads us to love him. Leads us to love him above all. And it also leads us to look to him in all things. To love him above all and to look for him, to look to him in all things. Think about your life. Where do you go for direction in this life? How is it? What, what is it that really helps you to make decisions? What knowledge base do you draw from? What wisdom do you have? And where does that wisdom come from in order for you to make daily decisions in your life? How is it that you determine your priorities in this life? And see, as a follower of Jesus, I pray that our values, our, our, the information that we look to and draw upon when we need to make decisions, I pray that we would look to God and that we would first, that, that our priorities and values would, would come from, that would be part of the fruit that comes from our faith in God and our love for God. You see, Paul and James, they would say the same thing. They would agree that dead faith doesn't save, but living faith does. James says that we have a living faith. When we have a living faith, we will persevere through trials, and we will love people just like Jesus loves us. And so I ask you, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, is your faith alive? This is a very important question to answer because it's either alive 
or your faith is dead. And James is warning us and reminding us that a faith without works, a faith without fruit, a faith without evidence is a dead faith. And he's urging us that we need to repent from our sin, turn back to God, and trust him as Lord. Is your faith alive? Is it penetrating and transforming every part of who you are? You see, there's one thing, one of the things that breaks my heart the most, uh, being, a, being involved in the church, growing up in the church all my 42 years of life, and not only that, but serving in various capacities and even being called to be a pastor, one of the things that breaks my heart and hurts the most is when I see people and I, I, I spend time with them as a part of the church that I'm at, this church, I get to know them, we pour time into each other, we develop this, this close friendship and bond as brothers and sisters in Christ. And the most heartbreaking thing, one of the most heartbreaking things for me is to see people walk away from God and to live a life that doesn't have any care for God. It's one of the things that, that, that keeps me awake at night. It's one of the things that when I think of these different people through the years that I don't see anymore and that I know that are not a part of, of a local body of believers anymore. They're not loving God. They're not serving God. It's one of the things that eats me up on a daily basis. James, what does he say? In verse 24, right? You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Uh, but then you look at what Paul says in Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Uh, James and Paul, they're saying the same thing. Faith without works is dead. And, and that brings us to our second point here. Righteousness affects both our standing and our living. <laughs> Let me explain that. Righteousness affects both our standing and our living. I'm not talking about standing up from, from a seated position. Okay, righteousness affects both our standing and our living. Look at verse 21. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Here's the thing about righteousness. There is the righteousness that comes from faith in Jesus Christ, where by his work and shed blood on the cross, it means that we can have a right standing before God, right? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God does something miraculous. He forgives us. Jesus wipes away all of our sin. And so because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his work on the cross through his death and resurrection, and when we put our faith in him as our Lord, we can know from that moment on when God looks at us, he sees his son. And when he sees his son, he sees us as righteous. We have a right standing with God. So we can call this type of righteousness this, and refer to it as this positional righteousness, thinking about our position before God. Now, there's also practical righteousness. And that refers to how we live before God, okay, right? The, the positional righteousness was how we stand before God. The practical righteousness is how we live before God. So as we study Scripture, as we look at God's Word, we'll see righteousness all throughout the Bible. 
We see the word righteousness used in many verses and in many ways, but we must think about it. And we must determine if it's referring to how we stand before God or if it's referring to how we are to live now before God. So what does this mean then? What does this mean for you? We need to understand. You need to understand. I need to understand. When you put your faith in Jesus as Lord, you are made right. You are made right in the eyes of God. Okay? And when you put your faith in Jesus, not only are you made right in the eyes of God, but you are made new. You, have, you are given new life. You are transformed from the inside out by God's Holy Spirit who is sanctifying us. That means he is molding us and making us, changing us from the inside out more and more like Jesus so that we can live and do what is right. And we can live out and do the things that he planned and created us to do. Our standing before God and our living before God. The third point is this. Your sacrifice, your sacrifice brings glory to God. Your sacrifice brings glory to God. Look at verses 22 through 24 of James chapter 2. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. So, when James talks about works, he's talking about God-glorifying obedience. Obedience and faith go together. When we have a sincere faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, our desire will be to follow Him. And follow Him meaning do what He says. When He's talking about works, He's talking about God glorifying obedience. So, who does James use as an example here, as an illustration? Abraham. Many of you are familiar with Father Abraham. All right, we've grown up in church singing songs about Father Abraham because literally he's the father of the nation of Israel. Now, if you were to look back, and if you have your Bible, you can flip there. The Genesis, or you can look on the screen. Genesis chapter 15. I encourage you to read through that chapter this week. Uh, chapter 15 and also chapter 22 that we're going to look at in a second. But look at Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Okay, this is God talking with Abraham in the Old Testament before Jesus was born. So Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And verse 6 Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. 
Now, Abraham and his wife, Sarai, or Sarah, they were past childbearing years. We have to understand this. This was a miracle of God. Does anyone remember how old Abraham was when he, when, and Sarah, how old they were when, they, when God blessed them with their son Isaac? Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. Well past childbearing years. But what did God tell him? He said, Abraham, look at the sky. Count the stars if you can do, possibly do that. Your offspring will outnumber the stars. And do you know what Scripture said after that? Do you remember? Verse 6, Abraham believed. Abraham believed the Lord, and God credited, credited it to him as righteousness. God gave Abraham his promise. And what did Abraham do? Abraham believed God. Abraham trusted God. And it was Abraham's faith that made him righteous in the eyes of God. Or in other words, Abraham was saved by his faith. Now, when you look further down the road, now flip over, flip to Genesis chapter 22. We see that God did, in fact, bless Abraham and Sarah with a son. His name was Isaac. And if you look at chapter, Genesis chapter 2, and, and you can write this down, and you can study it later, read through it in your quiet time, in your Bible study time. But Genesis chapter 22, you look at verses 1 and 2, God tells Abraham to do what? To offer his one and only son as a burnt offering. Who does Abraham trust? He trusts God. So what does Abraham do? He listens. He obeys. Thank you, Peter. Abraham takes his son Isaac up to the mountain, has Isaac help him carry supplies, and Abraham's building this altar to God where they're going to make this sacrifice. And as they're finishing up, Isaac, very observant, says, where are we going to get the sacrifice for this altar? Well, where are we going to get the lamb to sacrifice on this altar? Abraham says God will provide it. So what happens? Abraham ties up his one and only son, Isaac, puts him on top of the altar. Look at Genesis chapter, 10, uh, chapter 22, verse 10 and 13. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over there, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So, you see chapter 15, you see chapter 22, we learn about the life of Abraham. When did Abraham put his faith in God? Way back, back in chapter 15. I guess that's not a measurement of time. But before he made this, was gonna, willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? It was way before, and some scholars, when you look at the, at the time that, that transpired from chapter 15 of Genesis to chapter 22, uh, some scholars will say about 30 years passed in between that time. From when God gave that covenant, made that covenant with Abraham, to when he asked 
Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. You see, Abraham's faith resulted in works of obedience. And James is driving this home in chapter 2 that this was the fruit of Abraham's faith. When faith is born in our hearts, it will bear fruit. And James says it here in verse 22. Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. What does it mean for, for his faith to be made complete? It means it, was, it grew. It was brought to maturity. Abraham's works helped his faith to grow and to mature. James is saying that when we obey God, our faith grows. Our faith matures. And it's brought to completion. How many of us value and prioritize obeying God every day? And I want to encourage you, brother or sister, if you are feeling distant from God, or if you're feeling spiritually dry, I know it may not sound intuitive for you to, to, to go and obey God, because you start thinking about, you're thinking, maybe you're thinking about a bunch of rules that you need to follow, but I encourage you, go to God's word. And as you go to God's word, seek and prioritize how and ask God how you can live that out every day. Because as you choose to, to, to trust God, to trust his word, and to live it out, your faith will grow. You know, you think about some of these basic things that, that we've all been taught all throughout our Christian lives. Things like loving God, loving people, serving others. Think about, ask God this week, God, how, who is it that you're calling me to love this week? Who is it, God? How is it, God, that I can love you and, 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 and show my love to you today? God, who is someone that I can serve today? God, would you show me someone? Would you show, give me an opportunity to serve someone? And then as you're praying that or seeking that out, be willing to go and step forward and to do it what God has led you to do and what God has called you to do. That's when your faith will grow. When you take an opportunity to share with someone who you know full well has not put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and you go to them, you call them and you say, can I share something with you? I want to tell you of how Jesus changed my life. I want to share with you how much he loves you and what he did for you because he loves you. When we take those steps of faith and take those steps of, of obedience, our faith will grow. And so I ask you, dear brothers and sisters, is your faith dead or is it alive? And look at that last verse one more time. Verse 24, James says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Remember, all throughout this passage, James, in this chapter, James has given us this hypothetical situation of this hypothetical guy who claims to have faith, but really doesn't have faith at all. <clears throat> so when we get to verse 24, James is not battling what Paul says and teaches us about faith, that faith, it, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. James is saying, all he's saying is that we're not justified by a faith that claims to believe in Jesus, but does nothing. James is saying that, that fake faith never saves. Dead faith never saves. Only genuine faith in Jesus Christ alone always saves. And I want to end with this. 
these two questions for you, and I pray that you can answer these. And I think as we answer these, this is going to open our eyes to even more the depths of God's love and His grace for us. But do you know what pleases God? Can anyone tell me what pleases God? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to, to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It's always been about faith, about trusting Jesus as your Lord, trusting in who He is and what He's done, and then living in light of that truth, living in light of His Word. I'll ask you the second question. Do you know what kind of sacrifice pleases God? Does anyone know what kind of sacrifice pleases God? Well, we, we know that God just asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Well, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, live, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What kind of sacrifice pleases God? The sacrifice of your life. When you live in faith to Him, trusting Him, following Him, obeying Him with every fabric of your being. And I, when, I, when I think about that passage, I think about, well, why would I want to follow you, Jesus? What would motivate me to want to follow Jesus? Well, and when I think about that question, I would, the only reason I would want to follow Jesus and give him my life is if I believe that he's worthy. And it's my prayer that you, my friend, my dear friend, my brother, my sister, that you would know and believe each day that Jesus is worth it. He is worth giving your life because you know what? He said you are worth it when he died and gave everything for you on that cross. And so I ask you, in light of what we've studied here in James, answer that question. Is your faith dead or is it alive? For those of you here today, maybe you have come to that realization that your faith is dead. And I want you to know, dear friend, that there is hope for you. Because Jesus did die on that cross and he did rise from the dead. And God tells us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful to forgive. I want you to know that Jesus, God, stands here. He's here today. He's knocking on the door of your heart with arms open wide, waiting for you to trust Jesus, his son, as Lord, and to receive his love, to receive his forgiveness, to receive this new life that he's created and that Jesus died for you to have. And all you have to do is confess Jesus as Lord today. And maybe there's another response, an invitation to respond to God from my fellow brothers and sisters. We still need to ask ourselves, is our faith dead or alive? And maybe the answer is yes, it's alive. But I haven't really prioritized obeying God. I haven't really prioritized how do I know what God wants me to obey if I don't get to know and spend time in God's word. Maybe God is calling you to 
to take that next step of obedience. Whatever it may look like, whatever it may be, only you know and only God knows. But I want to invite you as we stand and as we sing this song, I want to invite you to respond to God. If you are, are, feel called to respond to God by confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord, as we pray before we sing, I want, to, I want to invite you to come share that with me so that I can rejoice with you, so that I can pray with you. But dear brother and sister in Christ, if God is leading you to a next step of obedience or that next step of your faith, I want to encourage you to just come and kneel at the steps and to ask him to help you, to give you the strength and to thank him for what his amazing grace and his mercy. And if you want to share with me what God has laid on your heart, I would love to pray with you. As we stand and as we sing, would you stand with me and pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you for who you are. You are God Almighty. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. And God, you love us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross so that we can be given new life, be forgiven of our sin, and have the blessed assurance of being with you for the rest of forever. And God, I pray that as we have studied your word, as you've given it to us through James, I pray that we would be able to answer that question and that we would be able to say beyond the shadow of a doubt that our faith is alive today because we trust in Jesus as our Lord and because we want to follow him and obey him. And so God, I pray, I thank you that not only, it's not, not that you give us this unachievable standard to achieve, but instead you say, look, I created this amazing life for you and I offer you, I give you everything you need to live it out to the fullest. And God, I thank you for that. And so God, I pray that as we sing this song, that you would lead us to respond to you. Thank you for being so good to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you so much for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.